The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Obama never moved the country as left as he wanted to. He was too timid, and he felt that he wasn't yet ready. He would hurt his legacy if he didn't get reelected or what. It was too dangerous. So now, with Joe Biden, he's living his dream. Remember what he said? He's on tape. My dream is to phone in the presidency. I would like to have a third term, but not if I had to work. I would just like to sit in my basement and no, and just tell people what's going to do. And that, he said it, and that's what he's doing right now. The, the Obamas are running the country. They want Joe Biden the way he is because he's a construct. He's just a cardboard person. They cut out and they plopped him down in the basement and they make him move once in a while. And then they run all of the agency. The, Obama's responsible for the border. He's responsible for the whole crime epidemic this is what he wanted and biden was very useful this is what uh, barack obama wanted the dear leader that's uh, victor davis hansen from a recent uh, interview someone put together the video with the footage and such but uh, we've been saying this for quite some time america under attack obama is the one that's, as VDH says, he's the one that's uh, carrying out this fundamental transformation. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this program every weekday morning at 11.05 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. Just go to trumpetdaily.com or... Go to rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. Lots to get to on today's show. I thought I'd begin, since I mentioned uh, America under attack, someone uh, brought this out to me over the weekend. One of the visitors that was in town for the uh, grand opening of the exhibit, the, uh, the Kingdom of Solomon, or David and Solomon, discovered that, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, <laughs> there's so much detail in this special issue of Let the Stones speak. If you have a chance to visit the exhibit here in Edmond, Oklahoma over the next 10 or 11 months, it will be well worth your while for sure. But coming back to America Under Attack, it was someone that said, I, I just recently went through the hardcover uh, version of the book, and uh, they commented on just how much uh, additional uh, or updated material is in the hardcover as compared to the soft cover version that we produced uh, a year or two before that. So in case, you know, in case you don't know, if you have the hardcover version and you've gone through the soft cover and you think it's mostly the same, there, there is quite a bit of uh, additional material in the hardcover version of America Under Attack. Just, uh, just so that you know, the 800 number, if you don't have the hardcover version, it's one 930 3024. So this uh, this video from Victor Davis Hansen, I think it runs about seven minutes in length on uh, on YouTube. But here's a bit more from what he said in that uh, that recent interview, clip nine. Barack Obama, name it, just name it. 
We came into that presidency with people on both sides of the political aisle that were really working hard to put race behind us and make it incidental to who we are. And all during that campaign, he take a gun to a knife fight, get in their faces. My grandmother was scared of black men threw her under the bus. Michelle, they raised the bar on me. Never been proud. I mean, I got so sick of it. He ran about, oh, I'm to the right of Hillary. As soon as he got in there, it was socialist medical, Medicare, you know, medical Obamacare, which I think the medical system was never recovered from. And then he remanufactured the entire Middle East and was the most anti-Israeli president we've ever had. He alienated a lot of the Sunni monarchies. And then he promoted Iran, Iran, Iran. All about Iran, empowering Iran. In fact, clearing the way, as Lee Smith recently said on this program, for Iran to build a nuclear bomb. This He came in, Obama came in, and everyone, you remember this? <laughs> everyone said... This is the end of America's racial divide. In fact, uh, VDH says there that we were making a lot of progress. We were leaving it in the past. But he came in and he stirred up those, those divisions. He stirred up that, 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 that racial divide. He did it all through his two terms in office. You know, in the cold open, he talked there about Obama being a little bit too timid. And I'm not sure that's the best way to, too timid to carry out the fundamental transformation in his first two terms. Now he's loving it because he's got the puppet. But I don't know if timid is the way to describe it as much as it is this Antiochus, this biblical Antiochus that comes in with all of the, the smooth talking flatteries. He's a, he's a plant. He's a, he's, he, he did it through deceit. It was all part of the plan. And, and I'm sure he had to measure it to some degree so that he didn't just shock Americans. But now, I mean, it's wide open. It's right there in the open. And everyone can see it. And you've got Victor Davis Hanson and, and quite a few others now that are saying what was in America under attack many, many years ago. Here's a bit more from that uh, video, clip 10. Then we had the hot mic where basically that was the green light that got Putin into Ukraine. When he said, give me space, Vladimir, tell Vladimir to give me space. I'll, I'll be flexible in missile defense. My last election, Putin gave him space. We dismantled missile defense, which would be very valuable right now. And Eastern and Poles would have been very happy to have it. And then he went into uh, Crimea and the Donbass, et cetera. That was his foreign policy. All of that happened under Obama's watch. Yeah, just give me a little bit of uh, time here. I'll give you the space you need to go right into Ukraine. We'll dismantle uh, missile defense in uh, Eastern Europe. Obama did all that. And so to hear, to hear these radical leftists today talk about how the Ukraine. I mean, that's like the, the last stand against the advance of Vladimir Putin. The last opportunity for us to defend democracy. I'll play a clip a little bit later. 
it was an exchange between Donald Trump when he was president and then Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They were in the Oval Office or in the White House. I, I don't know if it was exactly the Oval Office. But you'll see clearly where both sides stood on the subject of border security, building the wall, preventing a, an invasion of the United States. This was his foreign policy from the beginning. Appease Vladimir Putin. Let Putin have his way in Crimea, in the Donbass. And so then when you hear them today, you think, how do you even make sense of all this, these people? This is uh, one final bit from that, uh, that interview, clip 11. One thing about Obama people don't realize is that, yes, Obama won twice. And yes, he raised record amounts of money. And yes, he ran brilliant campaigns. But over his tenure, he lost 1,400. 1,400 state and local offices to Republicans. Right. And he, he came in with a super majority in the Senate and the House. And when he left, he had lost the House and the Senate and the presidency. That's hard to do in a country that's controlled by leftist institutions. He was sitting in the meeting when John Brennan laid out the whole FBI operation crossfire hurricane and he heard what Hillary Clinton was doing. He knew all about his department of justice attorney general meeting with Bill Clinton during the whole Hillary thing. You name it. Wow. I mean, none of this is information that's new to you, but it, <laughs> to just hear it like it's off the pages of America Under Attack, it's pretty amazing, really. He was there plotting, scheming against Donald Trump. And, and, and before he got into that there at the end, <laughs> notice how he said, you know, people, people were waking up to what Obama was doing even while he was in the Oval Office during the first and the second term. And they were losing a lot of seats. He lost the White House in 2016. I think that says a lot about America being under attack and Americans beginning to wake up to that fact. The communist infiltration of America, as he was right, brings out, is prophesied. He came in with flatteries. He came in sounding like an angel of light. And look at what's being exposed. It says here, this is from America Under Attack, the book I just held up. Hitler believed that if you tell a big lie and repeat it often enough, people will believe it. People will believe it. Joe Scarborough today, he goes on and on about the big lies, supposedly, that Donald Trump is telling. But look. You, you go back to 2008, 2009, look at the big lies that were promoted. Nobody ever vetted this man. Nobody ever looked into his background. Nobody cared about Jeremiah Wright or uh, all these troubling associations. Frank Marshall Davis and on and on it goes. Americans were sold a lie, a big lie. And it was told, oh, it's still being told over and over again. It says here, my father writes, we have not learned from this history as we should. Could something similar happen today? Could someone stir up a political revolution simply by repeating a blatant lie over and over and over until enough people believe it? Could it happen in America? Well, it absolutely has already happened to a shocking degree. 
It's already happened. <laughs> We've lived through it. We've lived through this fundamental transformation. And so many Americans now are, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're essentially panicking because they're saying, if we don't win this election, P Peter Navarro said that at CPAC, right before they took him off to prison, by the way, for, uh, for not obeying the subpoena put down by Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and the sham January 6th committee. He didn't submit to that subpoena, so he's off to prison. But before he left, he, he said, if we don't win this election in November, it's over. Steve Bannon and others have made the same point. This is it. It's all coming down to this. And then you think about what, we, what we've written in America Under Attack, how that Donald Trump is, in fact, coming back. There is this piece, by the way, at uh, Conservative Treehouse. Donald Trump public support polling far exceeds average Republican candidate. You listen to, I've got it later in my notes. If I can find it, I'll, I'll jump forward. But you listen to the talking heads today talking about how Donald Trump is just He's just losing. He's a loser. He doesn't have funding. They want it both ways. They want to tell you how dangerous he is, how he's like Hitler, how they can't understand why people would support him. And then, oh, by the way, he loses every step of the way. In fact, Victor Davis Hanson dropped a truth bomb on that, on that false narrative. It's Obama. Okay, he had two successful campaigns, and we won't even get into 2012 and the shenanigans that might have uh, happened in the lead-up to that. I mean, Obama himself told a voter in Ohio that it's good that we control the machines. You wonder, given the, given the level of cheating in 2020, how much of it was going on? In 2016, in 2012, maybe even 2008. Who knows? How can we know? <laughs> you go from one primary to the next, and most, most Republican voters are saying, yeah, it was rigged and stolen in 2020. And, and in so many different ways, as I said yesterday. I mean, just look at the, the, these corrupt 51 intel agents that signed a document saying that Hunter's laptop was, in fact, Russian disinformation. How do you explain that? I mean, are these, are these 51 intel agents, are they pro-American? Are they pro-democracy? Or are they pro-deception and flatteries and lies? This is uh, Jen Psaki saying that... Uh, well, that Trump is a loser. <laughs> Another original hot take from the regime media. Clip three. Also, Trump's got some money problems as well. Serious ones. Separate and apart from the massive civil fraud fines he's facing, CNBC actually reported today that there has been about a 63% drop in small dollar Trump donations over the past four years. That's quite a drop. And Biden has a big edge over Trump in cash on hand, ending January with $56 million in comparison with Trump's $30 million cash on hand. Oh, and Trump is now trying to overhaul the RNC and install his daughter-in-law as the co-chair to help pay for his legal bills. I can't make it up. So for all of the hand-wringing about President Biden and his challenges, and everybody should be clear-eyed about those too, 
there's absolutely no question that Donald Trump is carrying a lot more and a lot heavier baggage. So let it play out then. If he's in such trouble, then uh, just put it to the people. The people will see. He's not, he's out of money. So he's not going to be able to run campaign ads. So just let the people make the decision. (laughs) They can't do that because they know, she knows. This is a Joe Bama spokesperson. This was the White House press secretary for Joe Biden. Now pretending that she's an objective reporter. People see right through it. This is CNN on the possibility of, of Donald Trump going bankrupt. Clip four. Do you think Trump can pay for this? I mean, you've been saying you think he, he might file for bankruptcy. Um, I think Donald certainly will not have the cash to pay both the state award and the Eugene Carroll award. That's about $530 million. Uh, he may be able to find someone. It won't be a, a bank, I suspect, to... Uh, in effect, guarantee the payments. But, you know, given how murky his finances are, given his long history of not being truthful about his finances and having hidden debts, it would be a strange bird who would do that. And by the way, if Trump becomes president, that means he's going to be owing somebody over $500 million. And he began his campaign almost nine years ago saying, I don't know any money to have to be obligated to anybody. I'm not going to take contributions. So he's about to go bankrupt, says uh, (laughs) Anderson Cooper and this guy, whoever he is. He's out of money. And Saki says money's not coming in. I mean, he's in real trouble. Donald Trump is finished. How many times have we heard that original hot take? Listen to MSNBC going on about how Trump should be winning by a lot more. It's similar to the clip we played yesterday from O'Donnell who said that these numbers, I mean, they're devastating. The fact that he won South Carolina by 20 points, it's a disaster. When when do you hear this kind of commentary? Someone winning, crushing it, and it's a disaster. That's how they spin it. Listen to clip six. Donald Trump is probably the mathematically weakest person with the White House credentials uh, to run in a modern primary based on these numbers. Trump started from the bottom, but he's only here, right? He's essentially the incumbent. He should be up here. He should be winning these primaries in the same way that Joe Biden is winning the primaries with 80, 90 something percent of the vote, and he's not getting it. So let it let it play out. <laughs> Just let put it to the vote then. If he's so terrible, if he's bankrupt, if he's going off to prison, these people, propagandists, all of them, this, uh, this piece from Conservative Treehouse, it's a, according to a Pennsylvania poll that has Trump leading Biden 48% to 42%. So he's got a six-point lead in Pennsylvania. And for the Senate race in Pennsylvania, the Democrat has a seven-point lead. So the point that Sundance is making is that the Republican Party now is Donald Trump's party. He's leading far and away in the presidential race. And even the Republican in the same state where Trump is leading is lagging behind by seven points. That's a that's a 13 point differential. In other words, the point Sundance makes is if you want to win a House seat, a Senate seat, you better get behind Donald Trump. That's what these numbers are showing. 
But then you've got all the talking heads going on and on about how that Trump is finished. Trump is bankrupt. Well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how this plays out in November, as Carrie Lake said in that clip we played yesterday. It's just eight and a half months away. Eight and a half months. This year is moving right along. This story coming out of Georgia, just a horrific story, this illegal immigrant from Venezuela, so many of them, as we've noted so many times before, they're young, single, military-aged men just pouring across the border. This illegal immigrant, he goes up to New York, he's arrested and then let go by, by uh, Alvin Bragg's law enforcement. And then he's just able to freely roam right across the country. He's in the country illegally. His brother's in the country too. Hopefully he's not a criminal or a murderer. But this guy seeks out this 22-year-old nursing student. Her name is Lakin Riley. You think there's going to be any worldwide protests over Lakin Riley, as someone tweeted this morning? You had uh, four networks carry George Floyd's funeral live, broadcasting it all over the world. You had three, four months of deadly protests, cities burning, law enforcement officers gunned down, all for St. Floyd. Well, what about Lake and Riley? You think she's going to get some live coverage of her funeral? This illegal immigrant bashed in her skull. We, We don't even know if there was any motive even. He just crushed this this young nursing student's head in. That's it. As if, like I said yesterday, as if we need more criminals and and murderers to pour into the country. We've got plenty as it is. Jose Antonio Ibarra. How many times was he arrested? Several times. He entered into the United States illegally in 2022. Under uh, Joe Bama's watch, he got in because of Joe Bama's wide open border. He enters illegally in September of 2022, and then ICE immediately releases him because, well, I mean, the facilities at the border, they're overflowing. So just let him go. Catch and release. Catch and release. Six days, sorry, a year after he is released. He's arrested in New York City for endangering a minor. That was in September of 2023, just a few months back. And then he's released and evidently goes to uh, Atlanta. And that's where he kills this young gal, Lakin Riley. Are there going to be any protests for Lakin Riley? Any protests from people saying, we've got to stop this? We've, we've, we've got to get change. We've got to take to the cities, the streets, to bring about change, to get Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to do something about the border. In fact, the Antiochus, the dear leader, you heard him, or at least you heard VDH talking about Barack Obama. He's the one running the country, and this is what they want. They want this chaos. They've cleared the way for this invasion to take place. 
They've invited the world in. They've invited young, single Venezuelans to come in and go ahead. Commit criminal acts. Beat up the police in New York City. Move to Atlanta. Do whatever you want. Kill a college student. Democrats, of course, they know how horrible this this looks now that they're in an election year. For three years, they told us everything at the border was perfect. Three years. And now they've changed their tune. And now they, and believe me, as, as I've noted before, I mean, when they come out with the talking point, they are all in together. Unity in the Democrat Party, quite unlike anything you ever see in the Republican side. But they come out, they say, hey, this, this spending package, it's all about border security, when in fact it's about spending in Ukraine. What is it that Victoria Newland said? This was just yesterday, I believe, as well. She kind of said the quiet part out loud. Look, if we keep pouring billions and billions and billions and billions into Ukraine, it's going to help the U.S. economy because it helps the military-industrial complex. Listen to this, clip two. How are you going to make sure Ukraine gets vital weapons and ammunition? We will do what we have always done, which is defend democracy and freedom around the world, not just for victims of uh, tyrants like Putin, but in our own interest in preserving a free and open international order. That's what we need to do. We've done it before. And by the way, we have to remember that the bulk of this money is going right back into the U.S. economy to make those weapons. By the way, it goes right back into the U.S. economy. This is a slush fund. And a lot of people are on the take. And there she is. She's, uh, I mean, she loves her some war. And a lot of people in Washington, D.C. think the same way. It's really bizarre and crazy, isn't it, to think about Obama clearing the way for Putin, opening the door. Yeah, go into Ukraine, go into Crimea, no problem. And we'll dismantle missile defense even. You can just walk right in. You notice Putin wasn't aggressive under uh, President Trump's watch. He waltzes into Crimea in 2014. Then you've got the Trump years, 2016 to 20. And then as soon as Biden gets in, then Putin waltzes into more of Ukraine. And, And yet these same people that have opened the door for Putin to do whatever he wants... Or have opened the door for Venezuelans and whoever else to come across the southern border. They're the ones saying, we're tough on border security. We're tough on Putin. It's Donald Trump who's a a stooge of Putin. (laughs) This was, I don't remember the exact year of this. It's obviously during Trump's presidency. But you might remember when he, he brought in Schumer and Pelosi, they were talking in the White House and the cameras were on and it was pretty contentious. But you can hear from this. Just listen to this exchange and you know, you know who's serious about securing the border and you know who's just a clown when it comes to border security. Listen to clip 12. But there are no votes in the House, a majority of votes, for a wall. 
no matter where you're exactly right. You don't have if to I needed down. the votes for the wall in the House, I would have them mm -hmm. in one session well, then would we'll be do done. It. We'll do it. it doesn't help because we need ten Democrats in no, the don't Senate. Put it on the Senate. Put it on put it on a negotiation. Okay, let me ask you this. Just and we're doing this in a very friendly manner. It doesn't help for me to take a vote in the House where I will win easily with the Republicans. Not win. It doesn't help to take that vote because I'm not going to get the vote well, of the Senate. Senate. I need 10 senators. That's Mr. the President, problem. President, you have the White House, you have the Senate. I have the you White have House. The, the White House, House is done, and the House would give me the vote if I wanted it, but I can't because well, I need, can't. Nancy, I need 10 votes from Chuck. No, All right, let me say something here. Let me just say one thing. The fact is, you do not have the votes in the House. Nancy, I do. Right. And we need well, border security. Nancy, we'll Nancy, we need border security. It's very simple. Of course we do. We need border security. We need the wall. We need, more important than anything, we need border security, of which the wall is just a piece. But it's important. Chuck, did you want to say something? Yeah, here's what I want to say. We have a disagreement about the wall, Washington, whether it's effective or whatever. Not on border security, but on the wall. We do not want to shut down the government. You have called 20 times to shut down the government. You say, I want to shut down the government. We don't. We want to come to an agreement. If we can't come to an agreement, we have solutions that will pass the House and Senate right now and will not shut down the government and that's what we're urging you to do not threaten to shut down the government because you, you let me just finish because you can't get your way you shut it down you yeah, let me say something mr president you just say my way or we'll shut down the government we have a proposal that well, democrats and republicans will support to do a cr that will not shut down the government. We urge you to take it. And if it's not good border security, I it won't take it. It is very good border security. And if it's security. not good border security, I won't take it. It's what the Because when you look at these numbers of the effectiveness of our border security, and when you look at the job that we're doing you with You just said it is effective. Can I be, can I tell you something? Yeah, you just said Without it's effective. Without a wall, these are only areas where you have the walls. We want to do Where you have walls, Chuck, it's effective. We where you don't have walls, it is not effective. It's pretty amazing to watch that. You can see the date there, December of 2018. Was there ever a Republican or a couple of Republicans that got into it with the dear leader from 2009 to 2016? Can you ever remember any reporter actually getting into it with Barack Obama? As, as similar to the way Chuck Schumer, I mean, you can see him there looking at the camera, saying that, hey, we're just trying to get a budget passed. And Donald Trump's saying, I I'm not going to support it unless there's border security. And that's essentially what the Republicans said not that long ago, because they're heeding the counsel of Donald Trump. They finally put their foot in the sand. They finally, they finally said, that's enough. We're not going to send $60 billion more to Ukraine until we secure the border. Who really is serious about border security? I mean, Donald Trump campaigned on that in 2016. He campaigned on that from the very beginning. And this is one reason why he enjoys widespread support in Pennsylvania and other, <laughs> other places as well. This is from the New York Post. It says a new poll suggests, or shows rather, for the first time that a majority of Americans support building a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border, a majority support this. You can see how Schumer and Pelosi were fighting him, and they fight him to this day. And so don't, don't believe any words that you hear, smooth-sounding words, 
that it's Donald Trump who's against border security. These are lies, pure and simple. He's the only one that wants to build a wall. There's, there's, there's a lot of Republicans in the swamp that don't even want that. The Monmouth University survey released Monday found 53% of respondents favor building a border barrier. 53%. He's got a majority of support across the country. And he's gaining more and more support from people dwelling in big cities even, minorities, because they see what's happening to their cities. It says additionally 61% of Americans said they view illegal immigration as a very serious problem. 61%. This is an argument, this is a debate that radical leftist Democrats are losing. It's just like VDH said in that cold open, or I guess it was a clip we played a little bit after. They're losing. On policy, they're losing over and over again. And the only reason they won in 2020 is because they stole it. They stole it. And now they're trying to steal it again through lawfare and any other way that they can. This piece from Breitbart. Biden administration planted an operative, Jeff DeSantis, in Fannie Willis's office to target Trump, sources say. Well, this seems like a pretty big story. But no, you don't get it at New York Times or Washington Post. It's just over at Breitbart. The Biden administration planted a Democrat operative inside a Fulton County office to target former President Donald Trump. It says here, if the Biden administration planted the operative, as the sources say, it would present a strong argument that the administration interfered in the 2024 presidential election. They interfered in 2020 and stole it. You got the 51 intel officers. You've got the censorship of uh, New York Post, Rudy Giuliani and others. You've got all the mules, 2,000 mules. You've you've got all the geo-tracking devices that, that could track the mules as they were harvesting ballots. Just like they could track Nathan Wade as he was spending the night with Fannie Willis in 2021 before he got a rich and lucrative contract in November of 2021. Yeah, that's right. Fannie Willis paying her lover to go after Donald Trump on a RICO charge, something he had no prior experience doing, but hey, made him $700,000. And then Fannie got, I mean, she got some of the kickback as they traveled the world. Breitbart News granted the sources anonymity to discuss the, attorney, the attorney's office for fear of retribution. You see, that's the way Democrats rule. I mean, you don't, you don't tell the world about their sins or they come after you. <laughs> this, is, this is an area where Democrats, as I say, are completely unified. You target the opposition. You destroy the opposition. That's the way they operate. Listen, listen to this from Nancy Pelosi. She said this, I guess she's in Europe at the moment. And here she is basically saying, you know, when I'm traveling abroad, I never, I never speak, you know, 
negatively about a president, a U.S. president. I mean, she almost says it as if Donald Trump is still the president, and, and several on social media have highlighted that point. But I think what's more revealing here is this woman who's saying, you know, I never criticize a U.S. president abroad, except, except when it comes to the bad orange man. This is clip one. Europeans here are worried. They see America and they say America is stepping back. You've dealt with Donald Trump. What advice would you give them? Him? Have an intervention into your mental health, your political viability. He's, a, he's really grotesque and it's really a shame. And I never could talk politics when I go overseas because um, that's just the way we have always been very bipartisan when we go overseas. We may have our differences and we criticize the president at home. <laughs> that, and my hesitation to do that. But uh, the, uh, he has ventured into a, the global scene. Free, freeze it right there. There's the report. I love this. The reporter, this is after Nancy Pelosi says, he's mentally deranged and he's grotesque. And this reporter, oh, she, she just loves it. She loves what Nancy Pelosi has to say about Donald Trump. She says, when I go overseas, I don't talk politics. Oh, oh by the way, Donald Trump is, gro- he's really grotesque. He needs a mental intervention. I mean, you can't make this up. These people, you can see it on the look on her face. They take themselves so seriously, even as they say Donald Trump is Hitler. Yeah, that's what passes for riveting commentary on the news channels of today. I'm not even sure what this news program was, but there's Nancy Pelosi. She's a champion of democracy, saying that the last president voted in by the American people, he's really grotesque, and he, ne- he needs a mental intervention. What does she say? An intervention into your mental health. So there you go. And the international media, the Western media, they just lap it up. Oh, they love it. They love it. This Breitbart piece, it says here, uh, one significant figure is overlooked in the Fulton County scandal concerning Fulton County prosecutor Fannie Willis and her alleged lover and fellow prosecutor Nathan Wade, the sources said. Meet Jeff DeSantis, the the county's deputy district attorney with professional experience far greater than the average county employee. DeSantis worked on Willis's 2020 campaign, sources told Breitbart, and was the former executive director of the Democrat Party of Georgia with extensive knowledge of campaign finance law. Here comes the Joe Bama plant to get Trump. Get him. Get him in Georgia. Get him in D.C. Get him in Manhattan. Get him in Florida. Get him wherever. You've got to get Trump. This, like I said on yesterday's show, is what they're obsessed with. Speaking of obsessions, listen to Eric Swalwell as he comes up with another original thought that Trump 
equals Putin. This is clip five. So what can we do? Well, we're not helpless. We first have to fund Ukraine. But this coming November, we have to beat Donald Trump and MAGAism because Donald Trump needs Putin and Putin needs Donald Trump. And if we beat Trump, I promise you, we'll have more freedom, not just here in America, but we'll make sure that Ukraine can reclaim and renew their own democracy and that freedom will win worldwide. There you go. We'll be hearing that for the next eight and a half months. Putin's going to help Trump. Putin's going to rig the election. Putin's going to... I covered it with you yesterday. This uh, Paul Sperry piece, I mean, we've known for some time that there's a lot of sketchy characters that are associated with the Biden crime family. But in this case, the documents scandal, I guess Sperry's looking at the her report from a couple weeks ago and wondering why certain things were left out of the report. This is uh, Paul Sperry. It says, the president's explanation does not address how and why he shared classified material with a ghostwriter, but it shines a light on the longtime assistant who was in charge of packing his papers, Kathy Sang-Ok-Chung. You know, Swalwell, he was in bed with Fang Fang, literally. And then you've got this character, Kathy Sang-Ok-Chung. Yeah, right there dealing with the Biden documents. Many of them classified. Chung, an old friend of Hunter Biden, began working with Joe Biden or for Joe Biden in 2012 when he was vice president. She told investigators she oversaw the transfer of the contents of Biden's file cabinets and desk drawers into 15 boxes when he moved out of the West Wing in January 2017. And you keep in mind that he was a vice president He was coming away or coming out as the former vice president of the United States. He didn't have presidential authority to just gobble up all of these classified documents. Trump did. It says here, while other office material did go to the National Archives, her rebuked Biden for keeping more than 600 pages of classified information, including military secrets and intelligence sources and methods in unlocked and unauthorized containers at multiple locations. Could you believe this, that they're trying to go after Trump to take him down for, for, for taking the White House dinner napkins? And then there's this. There's this. And her just gives him a slap on the wrist and says, you know, we couldn't really try to prosecute him because he's senile. He's senile and, I mean, he'd win the favor of the jury. You can't. You can't make this up. It says here, the Biden documents that Chung herself packed, unpacked, and repacked are the most highly classified, this is quoting hers report, the most highly classified, sensitive, and compartmented materials recovered during our investigation. Yeah, she was just in there. Friend of the Biden family, the Biden crime family packing classified documents, unpacking them, repacking them. You know, happens all the time, right? Further on, it says here, after the election, Biden appointed Chung a top... Let me just read the previous paragraph. Yet the prosecutor let Chung, as well as Biden, off the hook and also declining to press charges against her, explaining that he found plausible 
her account that she packed and kept the classified papers by mistake. It was just a, you know, it's just a simple mistake. Packing, repacking, unpacking. It was just done mistakenly, you see. Even though she had prior government experience handling and identifying classified information and was told and was told in a January 3, 2017 National Security Council memo to be sure to remove only unclassified personal records and despite providing inconsistent an answers to investigators. She, she gets off the hook. Hillary's off the hook. Biden, they, Hunter, they're all off the hook. But Trump, you got to get Trump. Took some White House napkins. Took some mementos from his time as president of the United States. After the election, Biden appointed Chung to a top Pentagon position serving as assistant to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, where she has access to the nation's most sensitive military secrets. Why is it just Paul Sperry that writes about this? I mean, these are bombshell revelations. Why do you hear about the Her Report? for what, maybe six, eight hours, and then it's off the news cycle. It's over and done with. We move on to the next Trump is Hitler story that we can find. It says here, this is not the first time Chung has been found to have mishandled sensitive government documents. In late 1990s, uh, when she worked with Hunter Biden at the Commerce Department as an administrator, she and her boss, Melissa Moss, were cited by a federal judge for failing to turn over documents sought in a Freedom of Information Act uh, case, as Real Clear Investigations first reported. They were accused of withholding and even destroying key documents in a search that the judge ruled grossly inadequate and unlawful. So there's a history of mishandling classified documents, and Chung the Biden crime family friend, she's right at the center of it. Yeah, yeah. Happens all the time, right? It says here, the record shows that Chung personally dispersed the sensitive material to at least three locations in the years when Biden was out of office, including two temporary office sites before they were discovered, quote-unquote, in 2022 at the, at the Penn-Biden Center in D.C. in an unlocked office frequented by visitors, she routinely retrieved files Biden requested, some stamped with the label eyes only, which she knew to mean the contents inside were classified, and many of the classified folders include markings in her handwriting. She knew what she was doing. The Bidens, the Bidens knew what she was doing. They knew what they were doing. Further on, it says here, the boxes containing highly classified papers remained at the site for several months. Curiously, her mentions this location only in passing, even though it was an important link in the chain of custody. It does not appear that he investigated the security system there, nor does it appear that Chung was asked what she or Biden did with the files while they were stored there. In a footnote, her noted that Biden met with the former prime minister of Ukraine at that temporary office space in May 2017. Why? 
what's going on with Ukraine? What is going on with this this slush fund of tens of billions of dollars. What was going on with these documents between 2017 and 2021? While Biden was not a president, he had never been a president, and he's got all these classified documents? Sperry says Mr. Biden's office did not lock, her noted in his report, and the adjoining outer office where Biden's executive assistant maintained his files was always accessible through Biden's, Biden's office. In a footnote, her added that the vice president's office could only be locked from the inside using a panic button. So it was just wide open, kind of like the, uh, <laughs> the garage in Delaware with the Corvette and, and files strewn all about. Classified documents, yeah. Further on, it says Biden's office filled with secret government documents, including high level memos on China, was left virtually open to the public. Wide open access, just like the southern border. This is the way they think. Listen, come on in. You can read every classified document you want. It says here it's not known if Hunter Biden, who introduced Chung to his father in 2012, and got her the job in his White House's in the, in his White House office. Escorted any of his Chinese business partners to the sixth floor. Hunter had all these Chinese associates because, well, he was making millions from them. This is part of the pay-to-play scheme. It's a family business. You know the one where the the Biden nieces and nephews. Everybody's on the dole. Everybody's on the take. Everybody's getting wire transfers. This is unbelievable. But yeah, it's just, you know, Paul Sperry, real clear politics. That's about it. That's about all the coverage it'll get. It's not going to be it's not going to be discussed at the morning Joe, the morning meltdown roundtable. It's not going to be brought up there. No, no, no. Everything he did with these documents, it was perfect. Just like the 2020 election. Perfect. Just like Hunter's laptop. Perfect. It's per- if it's not perfect, it's the Russians that did it. It says here, Hur said his team was unable to determine exactly who may have had access to the loosely stored intelligence papers and whether they passed through foreign hands. We cannot account for all visitors to the center. Why? Sperry asks. The security contractor deleted all the visitor logs for the years 2017 to 2021. They deleted all the visitor logs. In that bracket between the end of Trump's presidency and the beginning of Joe Biden's fake presidency. What a joke the her investigation was. There's some revelations that came out from that. But no one, no one, no one is held to account. There was this, I'll just see if I can find it. Sundance at the, at the last refuge. He said back in 2020, John Durham is a head fake. Soon all will see. There is no John Durham investigation. All of these investigations, even the ones headed up by the so-called, uh, so-called conservatives, they're just head fakes. They're not legitimate. 
They're not intended to uncover crimes, certainly not crimes committed by the communist left. In fact, it's worse. In fact, it's worse. They're intended to cover up those crimes. That's what it was about with the Mueller investigation. You can add John Durham to the mix. And now Robert Herr, as embarrassing as it was for the Biden crime family. Herr basically said, we're not going to prosecute. Yeah, you know, he's senile and this and that, but you know, we're not going to prosecute. We, we couldn't get a conviction. And of course, in D.C. or Manhattan, he's probably right. You're not going to get a conviction in the swamp. They'll just let you off because they vote Democrat by like a 90 to 10 percent margin. That's why Donald Trump gets the treatment that he does in D.C., in Manhattan. It's uh, probably a little bit different in Georgia and Florida. We'll see. The whole thing with Fannie Willis is exploding in her face, in Nathan Wade's face. But D.C. and Manhattan, they're rigged. (laughs) They're rigged from the beginning. Just going back to this America under attack piece and the attack of America from within. Barack Obama coming in as an angel of light. It says here, consciously or subconsciously, a great many people today believe the same thing. They just lie until they convince not only those around them, but even themselves, that they are right. We're seeing bold, blatant lies become a bigger and bigger part of today's political landscape. He goes on and talks about will worship. Don't, don't bother looking, you know, looking into the truth or uncovering facts. Everything, I mean, you could just make a little value adjustment, like Obama said at Stanford a couple years ago. I mean, you can, you can know, you can know if your truth is truer than the absolute truth. Just believe me. Believe my, uh, my opinion. I'm coming to you with flatteries. Listen, this is good stuff. Just go along. This is a must read. America under attack. If you don't have a copy, make sure you call our operators. 1-866-930-3024. That's all we have time for on today's show. The fastest moving hour in broadcasting. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. Thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you again tomorrow. <laughs>